that a, was a great song for where we're headed today. Um, I want to start, I want to tell you a story. By the way, this is my bucket of rocks I, I carried around with me. Um, they're just stones, they're just rocks I just carried around. But that's not the story I'm going to tell you. You just need to know I carry this bucket around sometimes. See, in, in colonial Africa, which I had to look that up, and for those of you who didn't know, colonial Africa was like the 1800s. The, uh, it's, what, it's, what, it's what the research said, 18 to 19. Anyway, the, uh, the natives there, they used a, a type of squash. A, a, it was they, I would call it a calabash, but it's a type of gourd. And they would cut the top off as it dried out, and they would put fruit and stuff in it. And, and other island people have this same technique. They use coconuts and various things, but they would... They would cut a little hole in this and put fruit or something in it and then tie it low to a tree. And monkeys would come around and they would, they would reach their hand in and grab what was in the gourd or the coconut because it was good for them or they thought it was good for them. And they would try to take it out, but with a fist full of whatever, their hand wouldn't come out. And there's actually some video from like way back, like grainy black and white video of, of people doing this. And, and this one little monkey was like, just got both of his arms inside this gourd and had both hands full of whatever was in there and would not let go. And the natives walked right up. They put a little leash around him. They clipped the gourd from the tree. Monkey still holding on, both hands in, holding on to this coconut thing. And they just carried him off on a string. He didn't even fight with them. He didn't even care. That's how you catch a monkey, in case you're wondering. Now, I know, right? Now that you know how to catch a monkey, you need to keep that in mind. Uh, because we're going to talk about the things we hold on to and the things that we let go of today. But, oh, I need a, I need a helper. I need, um, Audrey, can you come up here, please? Real qu- quickly, we've got the spaghetti cooking. Come on. I can... Yeah, I found that similar to the monkey, I can't, I can't set my rocks down, right? Because they're my rocks. So I need you to open my Bible for me. John chapter 8, please. Yeah. Chapter, verse 1. Yeah. There we go. All right, you have to hold it up. Hold it up. A little closer. My eyes are bad. Read this with me in your Bible. John chapter 8. Now, I got to tell you this too. There, there are some versions of the Bible that do not have this story in it. Okay. And, and there's, there's different scholarly reasons. Some people say it wasn't part of an original manuscript. Um, but then there were other people who were like, hey, we found this, and it is part of it. Um, whether it's in there once or, or, or a lot, it's here, and I think it's a story worth telling. And, and so here we go. The Bible says, they went each to his own house. They're talking about something they had just previously done at the end of chapter 7. You had to read that to know where we're at. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught. No, yet I walk when I read. You have to. (laughs) All. Have you not been here before? All. I move around. All. Sorry, I can't stand over there. All of the. (laughs) Made me lose my place. Here we go. The people came to him and sat down and taught them. He sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman, we're going this way, this woman has been caught 
in the act of adultery. Not too fast. There we go. Uh, we'll get this. Uh, I know some of you are thinking, put the rocks down. No, I can't. Okay. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, I wasn't really moving that time. I was just kind of readjusting. And they said to her, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Now, I want to share something with you. Um, the next verse, Jesus says to everyone that's still listening, I am the light of the world. I told you at the beginning of this, the first 12 chapters, John keeps referring to Jesus as the light. All right, so he tells this woman, go and sin no more. And then he says to her, I am the light of the world. Now, I think I can do that. There we go. We're good. You can set that back down right there. Awesome. Thank you very much. Big hand for Audrey. Well done. She didn't know she was going to do that today, so she played along well. Uh, that's the only thing I couldn't do as I practiced this. Now, here's the thing. The rocks that we throw, uh, sometimes we're just so eager to throw our rocks that we carry them around. We carry our rocks around ready to throw them. My thing is this. These, he's in the synagogue. These are religious leaders and they bring this woman to church and they say, hey, here's what she's done. We're ready to stone her. They brought their rocks to church with them? I don't know about that. Maybe it's just my mind. And, and the, the crazy thing is, though, we come so eager sometimes to throw our rocks that we carry them around. And my question for you today is, what rocks do you throw? And now you're probably thinking, now you're just crazy, John. I don't throw rocks. I'm an adult. I haven't thrown rocks since I was a kid on a playground. Well, Indulge me in this thought for a minute. Let's say that this story was set in modern times. Sit back and listen to this. Oh. Oh, man. Sorry. Can't beat him. Join him, right? Hello? Hey, what's up, Andy? I'm preaching. Well, just, just preaching. The elders are watching. The oh. church is here. Oh. What's up? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I did, hey, um, we had youth group today. Yeah. And um, I, wanted to, it, it's Jill. I wanted to let you know um, Jill's pregnant. Jill is pregnant? Yeah, yeah. She's, Six, she's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. 16-year-old Jill is pregnant. Wow. Um, we yeah, need... yeah she, you know, she's going to come in the youth group. Well, hey, let's let's get together I, later on. Let's pray about that, about her situation and how we can help her out, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to let you know. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll I, see you. Oh, hang on. I got another call coming in. Hang on. I got to go. Oh, I had another call. Oh, I hung up on somebody. Um, I'm going to need that person to call me back. Oh, looky there. Hello? Hey, John. 
Hey. This is Lillian. <laughs> wow. It's like you're right next to me. I know that you don't belong on Facebook very much, but um, I was out there yesterday, and, you know, we had talked about Jill last week mm-hmm. and why she hasn't come to church. Well, I noticed somebody posted on her page, congratulations with a baby emoji. Okay. I don't know what you want to do about it, but I thought it was something you should know. Wow. Thanks, Miss Lil. I appreciate that. Wow, that's a, oh, look at that. News travels fast. Let me guess, Jill's pregnant? Well, yeah, kind of. I was on Facebook and someone messaged me about, well, you know, her mom doesn't really come to church and all, but uh, they shared the post of her saying, uh, oh, the secret's out, Jill's pregnant, Um, and I was just uh, wondering what we should do about it, and I definitely figured you should know, and if you could tell me what you wanted to do, that'd be okay. great. Thanks, Jesse. I'm going to go. The other phones are ringing now. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Could it, <laughs> could it get any more? Hey. Oh, hey. Minutes. Yeah, sure. I was just <laughs> preaching a sermon. You know what? Let's... I'll tell you, I just wanted to uh, to get you up to speed on the uh, minutes of last night's emergency uh, board meeting. Oh, yeah, I love those. Thanks, by the way. I was, you know, I tell you, was up late. Well, the, the meeting was called because a lot of the leadership had been getting several calls uh, about a girl, Jill, who oh, is yeah. uh, in our youth group, and she's become pregnant. Mm. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah well, uh, I mean, many members were concerned. I, I thought I'd go through the notes uh, of the meeting, um, I mean, many of the members were, were really concerned, and rightly so. I mean, you know, they thought that we should get this taken care of right away, call a meeting, right. discuss what we're going to do about it. Uh, I mean, Pam's mom, right. I mean, she, she was worried. I uh, mean, what? Rightly what? so, rightly so. What was she I mean, worried about, Jill? She was, she was worried that if Jill uh-huh. kept coming to youth group activities that some of the girls, like her daughter, might end up getting pregnant as well. Hold that thought. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, right? It's contagious. Sorry. That, sorry, Joe, go ahead. Sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. Then we had discussion, there were motions, right. and So we, was there... We came to the decision okay. that uh, since Jill made the decision to start acting like an adult, she could continue to uh, come to church services mm-hmm. and attending adult Sunday school classes, right. but not, uh, not youth group activities, not youth group. Uh, I mean, after all, she is going to be a mommy now. Well, Joe... So, I'll help you out. When adults act like toddlers, do we get to put them in the cosmic rays room? That's right. That's the logic. If if we're going to do that, it's just a thought. Okay. I'm sorry. I, sure, sure. Then we had more discussion. Of course. We closed in prayer. And uh, we just 
we just hope these actions will remedy anything like this happening in the future. Uh, but I you mean like a teenager getting pregnant? Yeah, we should yeah. remedy. Oh, our group, come on. Anyway, I just want to keep you up to speed. I got to run. Take care. We'll see you. Good luck with the sermon. Thank you. <laughs> I ask you again are you holding on to your rocks like a monkey and a calabash so you can be a rock thrower later sad thing is that I'd like to say that was a skit that came up in my mind that incident actually took place at a friend of mine's church in Florida several years back and that was actually the decision of people that that a young lady could no longer come to youth group because she had gotten pregnant. And so she made adult decisions and then was told she could come and be in adult classes. You see, here's the thing, monkey. You have to let go of what's in the trap in order to live. Today's topic is hard. It might make us uncomfortable, but we're going to dive right into it. You have to understand that and I understand this too, and our, our leadership, we understand this. Yes, our actions, our sins have consequences. I'm not making light of that, okay? And yes, sometimes someone's actions create circumstances where leaders have to act within a congregation, and I'm not making light of that. But there's a difference in holding someone accountable and judging or humiliating them. There's a difference in supporting someone and walking alongside them to, to bring them through a season in life where maybe they didn't make the best decisions. Maybe they did wander off and it's on us to bring them back around. And there's a difference in doing that and just shaming them. And so no, today, we don't pick up rocks and physically throw them. Oh, sorry. I have another one. It's okay. We don't pick up rocks and physically throw them. But if we're truthful... Some of the things we do might even be worse. You see, one of the greatest lies that we've ever been told, and we, you know it, we grew up saying it. It's an old saying from back in the day. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The truth is, words can be some of the most hurtful things that we do to each other. Words can be some of the most hurtful things that we do to others. A simple word can haunt someone for life. Today, as we look at this story from John chapter 8, we're going to obviously compare it to the rocks that we hold on to and the rocks that we throw. You see, like it or not, this story, if it was set in modern times, if this story were today, the church would be seen as the religious leaders. It's how the world sees us today. They, they see us as, as just throwing rocks at things like homosexuality and abortion and our social issues. They see us as just, oh, that was too big. I won't throw that one. <laughs> so I just want to make a point, but look out, Seth. They, they see us as throwing rocks at everything. It's what the world looks at us when, when they talk about Christians. You, you pick a social issue, an injustice or whatever, and they think that Christians, and we're just there to throw rocks. But, but the problem is not that we throw rocks at these other things. The problem is that we're throwing rocks and we're so busy throwing rocks at other people's sin, we refuse to acknowledge anything or any other sins as real. 
And so everyone, everyone gets mad. I get that. That's what we say. We're like, oh, everybody gets mad once in a while. That's, that's not a big deal, but homosexuality, that's wrong. That's what we say. But I'm not hurting anyone looking at this online. This is, this is my business, what I'm doing on my computer. But, but abortion's bad. We say things like that. And so naturally, the world begins to view us as hypocrites. And now I know their view isn't always correct, but we have to ask ourselves, are there people or sins that we throw rocks at and at the same time we refuse to acknowledge our sin? And just like the story in John, we end up throwing stones if we're not careful. Hey, another way we throw rocks? Gossip? Then and now. Back then, gossip usually happened at the city gate or at the well. Now it seems to happen online. Sometimes it happens in a Sunday school prayer request, small group time. Don't believe me? Check your Facebook real quick. Twitter, Instagram. Oh, and bless their heart. But you say, how am I supposed to get my beliefs out to the world? I'm just responding to what other people have said. Do you, do you know all the lies and the things they say about God and about Christians? I'm just trying to get them to see the truth and, and to see our side. And you're saying we're not supposed to stand up for God and for his truth. Let me be clear. That's not what I'm saying. My first question for you would be, are you posting for Christ or are you posting to justify your own pity party? They can't say that. Do they know who we are? Are you posting for Christ or are you posting for your own political party or agenda. You see, I, I want to be very clear. i got to put my bucket down. I think it's getting heavy. I'm old. I couldn't carry rocks for real every day. I don't care. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're an Independent. I don't care if you're a Tea Party. Look, I don't care if you're a non-practicing indem- Hang on, I made this word up. Indemocratical <laughs> Publican Tea Drinker. I don't care. That's a little bit of all of them. Right? It's the independent, Democrat, Republican. I don't care. I care about who you are in Christ first. You are called to be a reflection of him. That's what we care about. Christ in you and intentionally sharing him with others should be more important to you than spreading your political beliefs. It should be more important to you than throwing your rocks on social media. It should be more important to you than the way we do some things. But you say, oh, well, my political beliefs align with the Bible and God, and I have to get them out to others so they can see that. Well, in that case, my next question for you, because you want to have this conversation and you won't just let me live, is my next question is this, monkey. Where's the love? Or are you just noise? I just jumped the shark tank on that one. Are you just noise? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8 says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Think, think about what you've seen on Instagram and Facebook and social media and whatever it is you go to as I read these off. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. 
or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love never ends. You see, there's a lot of noise out there in our world. And there's not enough love. We really need to ask ourselves if we're just adding to the noise. Because Paul tells us, if, if we speak the truth but it's not in love, we're just noise. Why do you think that so many people uh, just discredit a street preacher? Have you ever seen those guys? I had one in New Orleans tell me I was going to hell. I was with a group of people. I was working for Nike. We were walking through downtown New Orleans, whatever the streets are. I don't know them all, but we were going to have dinner. And I was the only Christian in the whole group. And they thought that was great that the street preacher with a big cross hollered at me and pointed at me and said, you are going to hell for being in this vile place. I said, you may be right, but not because I'm here in New Orleans. And then I got to share with these guys as we sat down and had dinner. And they said, is that what they do at your church? I said, oh, no, that's not what we do at my church. They, we discredit those guys because they, they're on a corner with a bullhorn or a portable sound system. They're throwing down this, what they think is love, and they're throwing this down to passing cars, people walking by. But there's no relationship. There's no love. There's no connecting the people to Christ. Those men are just making noise. We don't need to just be people that make noise. Back in Jesus' day, it was word on the street. But with modern social media taking over, it's word on the web. Many times our actions and our statements online and the, uh, our hidden agendas, they have hidden agendas just like they did in this story. You see, sometimes our desire to be right and our responses in those threads and the comments seems to outweigh the desire to be loved. So I've said all that, and you're like, wow. Then what should I do? How should I say things? How should I address these things that come up in social media and in the news and around the coffee uh, maker at work or wherever? How do, how do I address these things with these people? Well, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 gives some good insight. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, God's not telling us not to, not to share, not to stand up for what's right. But he's saying when you do, walk in wisdom, especially towards outsiders. Make the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. You know, it's, it's that mob mentality that gets us in trouble. And, and it's true what they say. It was true then, it's true now. And as they always say, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. That's the danger of mob mentality. Like, and that's whether you're, and again, it goes back to it doesn't matter what your belief, what your, whether you're Christian, non-Christian, the, you know, whatever it is. But we get into a group and we just, we forget how to think for ourselves. It includes online activities like retweets, reposting stuff. We don't even think about the, the weight that it carries. We just for a second go, huh, I'm sharing it. And you've separated yourself from someone. Liz, I have a challenge for you, Christian. 
Here's my challenge. Most of you aren't going to like it. And I'm not going to tell you to never go on Facebook again. I'm not, that's not what I'm going to do. But I'm going to challenge you to leave your Twitter for networking. Leave your Facebook for connecting with friends, extended family members, and ugly Christmas sweater pictures. Because that's, that's what it was designed for. And when you log in, when you get ready to send out that little inspirational thing that you think the world needs to hear from you, when you get ready to do that, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the best use of your online time. And when you're on there, let your speech be gracious. Make sure you're not adding to the noise. Because when we add to the noise, what happened in John chapter 8 is what happens today. And when that happens, people no longer see you as the individual. They see Christ holding a rock and throwing it at him. John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't want to stone that lady. They wanted to stone Jesus. If they were serious about following the law that they tried to quote to Jesus, they would have brought the man that was also caught in the act of adultery. Because Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. My Jesus points out something else. The requirement for really judging another is sinlessness. And I don't know what he wrote, but I want to tell you there's a difference between accountability and judgment. Jesus can do both. But here we find that Jesus is putting his cross between the woman and her sin. Do you remember John chapter 3? John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. He didn't come to judge. He said, that's not my job. The Father is going to judge. He came to save. But the crazy thing is, when we jump down to the end of John chapter 8, and this is another thing that validates that I knew they wanted to stone Jesus, they have all kinds of conversation. I encourage you to read John chapter 8 this week if you haven't already. And they get into some stuff. And Jesus says to them that I was before Abraham. He says all this stuff. And then he says in verse 58, Truly, yeah, there we go. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And verse 59 says, they picked up stones to throw at him. Same chapter. They picked up stones to throw at him, but he hid himself and went out of the temple. Oh, the rocks we throw. You see, the problem with sin is it clouds our judgment. And, and I'm going to say like the Pharisees, they were, their judgment was clouded by sin when they brought that woman before Jesus. And see, here's the thing. I propose that when we set our sights on someone else's sin like the Pharisees did, that we actually end up throwing our rocks at Jesus instead of our intended target. And so you think you're doing something good. And you're probably sitting here thinking, what in the world is he talking about? We're going to do a social experiment real quick. I want everybody to look around the room. Turn your heads, look around. Look at the people in front of you, look at the people behind you. Look around your room. Now, in your mind, look around your office or your classroom or our community. Look around our government local, state, federal, all the way up to the president. Look at all of our social issues. Are you seeing all these things in your mind? Look at our service men and women. 
Do you see all these people in your mind? As as they've flashed on the news over the last few days, as you've interacted with them at work or at school, you're seeing them? Do you see all the stupid stuff they've done this week? You're laughing because you do. If you condemn them, if you start throwing rocks at them, if you continue to throw rocks at them, you are really throwing rocks at Christ. I don't care if they're Christians or not. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And like I said in the beginning of this series, we are called to be proclaimers of God's Word, not editors of it. And Christians, when we start throwing rocks at other people, we become editors of God's Word. We begin editing God's Word. We begin, we begin to change places with God. The people you're throwing rocks at, They're the very people that our Lord and Savior came to save. He didn't come to condemn them. He said that judgment, it's not for him. It's for God the Father, and that judgment's not for us either. And with that knowledge, wouldn't you agree that it's time to let go of some rocks? I know it's not easy. Look, the Pharisees, these spiritual leaders, had to see Jesus right in the dirt a few times before they were willing to let go of their rocks. I wonder if he wrote some of their sins, or maybe even better yet, he wrote some of their sinful thoughts that only they knew. The Bible says that they walked away, the older ones first, and then the younger ones. Forgiveness is not always easy to offer. But it is a necessary gift for Christians to freely give to others. It's time for us to put down the rocks. The reason it's hard is because when it comes to forgiveness, it's about debt. Specifically about debt that we feel is owed to us. We don't forgive well because we feel that a debt is owed to us. Oh, my dad did this. I can't forgive him. I'm mad at my mom because fill in the blank. Our elders aren't leading the church like I think they should. My spouse cheated on me. My friend lied to me. My preacher let me down. Get used to that one. It all ends with, I deserve justice. I deserve. Friend, let go of that debt that you think you are owed. Don't be a monkey in a trap. Do your part time to put down your rock and I promise that you will find the forgiveness in your heart for whatever the situation is in your life. So as we come to our response time this morning, it's, it's simple. It's just time to put down your rocks. Jesus said to the religious leaders, and I'm going to say it to you, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. I, I don't know who you feel has wronged you or what's going on in everyone's life. But I know this, it's not worth carrying around a bucket full of rocks. By the end of the story, the rocks are dropped and Jesus stands alone with a woman where grace and truth meet. You see, there there had to be two witnesses according to the law. And everybody left and Jesus wasn't there. He doesn't know what she did. And he asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I'll tell you this, now is the time for you to do whatever it takes to let go of the rocks.
If that's prayer with the elders this morning, they're here. They'd love to pray with you about that stuff. Maybe you need to put down the rocks so you can be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so you can rise up and walk in a newness of life that is Jesus Christ. But whatever it is that you need to do to be a proclaimer of God's word, now's the time. Will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to God's word and to God's forgiveness? It's been great to be here with you all and to worship with you, to challenge you in God's word today. But now it's time to go to win and commit to grow. As you go today, I look forward to fellowshipping with you all in just a bit at the spaghetti lunch. But I want you to remember this. Don't be just another monkey in a trap. That's the game Satan plays with us. When you've got your hands in that calabash trying to grab all the rocks, all the fruit, all whatever it is that you can, Satan is pleased. He doesn't have to kill us. He just has to distract us. And he'll use all kinds of lies to do it. So as you go, let go of your rocks. They aren't worth carrying around anymore. Find that place in your heart where Jesus' grace and truth meet. No more judgment, no more grudges, no more gossip, no more slander. Simply go and sin no more and be a reflection of his love. Will you sing this last song with us, please?